Greetings in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to all our satellites, international and local. We want to welcome all of you, especially those who are tuning in for the first time. This is our third message on Fit for Life, New Habits to Change Your Life. Why is this message so important? Many of us have developed wrong habits that is leading us away from our goal. What is one habit you need to change because it is hindering you? It is sidetracking you. It is stopping you from becoming the person that God wants you to be. Is it too much screen time? Is it social media? Is it computer games? Is it binging on Netflix, telenovela, or pornography? Alcohol, sex, drugs, addiction to certain things that you know is not good. This is more subtle. Procrastination. Blaming others. Now, what is even more dangerous than the above is critical spirit. It's a wrong mindset of how you process things. Unforgiveness. Temper. Angry spirit. Unbiblical mindset. Attitude. Example. Cancel culture. You have a habit of canceling people, of not discussing with people that disagree with you. In your mind, anybody who disagrees with you is completely wrong. You have a habit of not listening, a habit of not giving people the benefit of the doubt. So what is one habit that you need to change so that you will become the person that God wants you to be or the person that you desire to become. The good news is this. You can break bad habits. The topic today is breaking bad habits. You see, bad habits does not have to define you. But who you are becoming is being shaped by bad choices, bad habits. Today, I have good news for you. I'm going to help you. How do you overcome? How do you break bad habits? The foundational Bible verse i like you to meditate on is the memory verse that we have for last week and this week. It is found in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. This is what it says. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Do you notice the verb discipline? It is a command. It is in the present tense. The command says, keep on disciplining yourself. Another word for discipline? Can you guess? Practice. Develop good habits. It's a command. It is not an option. Why? The Bible tells you, bodily discipline is only of little profit. The Bible is not saying it is not important, the discipline of eating 
exercise. The Bible is not saying neglect them, but the Bible is saying what is even more profitable, godliness is profitable for all things. It holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Spiritual habits that will lead you towards godliness is even more important. Why? Because it does not bless you just now. For eternity, it will also bless you. That's what it says. It is profitable for all things. It holds promise for the present time while we're still alive on planet Earth and for the life to come. What God wants you to become is so crucial. It will impact your present life and your eternity. Question, how do you break bad habits? To break habits, I want to give you the acronym AWARE. A-W-A-R-E. A stands for assess. You must analyze, assess what's going on in your life today. Why? You cannot change something if you are not even aware of. W, you must want to change. You must be willing to admit there's a problem and you want to change. A, add new habit. How do you overcome a bad habit? Replace it with a new habit. R, remove the trigger. What do I mean? I'm going to explain this in a short while. And lastly, engage others. Have an accountability group. One of the most neglected provisions that God has given us is the community. Helping one another. Let's begin with A. Assess. You have to be conscious. You have to analyze what's going on in your current lifestyle. What is your current habit? You may ask, what are habits that is considered bad that I need to change? Listen to me. You begin with foundation, who you want to become. So any habits that will impact negatively on what you will become, it may not necessarily be sinful, but it's going to be an obstacle. It's going to be a hindrance. That, my friend, is something you need to surrender. Provided you are very clear. You want to be all that God wants you to be, but this particular habit is an obstacle. Somebody once said, if you have two friends or two family members who will tell you what you are doing is not good, what you are doing is not right, in all probability, they are correct. So don't be in denial. Face reality. What is the current direction of your life? Remember, direction determines destination. It is not your goal. It is not your desire. Remember, it is not desire that leads to destination. It is your direction in life that leads to destination. Example, you want to go to Baguio, but if your direction is the opposite, you are driving through S-Lex. You will never reach Baguio because you are headed in the opposite direction. Assess 
what you are doing now. See if any of your habits are going to contribute or they're going to hinder your desire to be all that God wants you to be. The example I want to give you is Samson. Many of you know about Samson. Samson was amazingly chosen by God. He had an amazing beginning. God told his parents what kind of man Samson will become. He's going to be chosen. He's going to be a Nazarite. He's going to be devoted unto the Lord. But Samson had a weakness. Samson was not aware of his own bad habit. He was blind to his own weakness. The Bible tells us, Judges 14 verse 1, Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. So he came back and told his father and mother, I saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, notice, get her for me as a wife. You notice Samson's mindset? I saw a woman. I like her. Get her for me. And then the father said, and the mother said, Is there no woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? In other words, the parents knew that Samson was a Nazarite chosen by God to be his people, to serve God. Therefore, it is important that he will choose somebody with the same faith. But notice how Samson answered. Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She looks good to me. Can you now see Samson's propensity? Samson gives in to sensuality. What about you? Do you know your strengths? Do you know your weaknesses? Look at Judges 16. Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and he went in to her. Somebody made an estimate of how far it is from where Samson was to Gaza. Do you know how many kilometers? It's debatable. 20 kilometers, 30 kilometers, does not matter. The point is, Samson had to go there. He had to walk or ride a donkey or a camel, whatever it is. Somebody computed it took Samson over 50,000 steps to go down to Gaza. Why will Samson go to Gaza knowing it is enemy territory, knowing it is dangerous? Samson had a habit. He gives in to his lust. Look at verse 4. It came about that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. You now see Samson's propensity, his bad habit, his weakness when it comes to sensuality, when it comes to sex, when it comes to woman. Know your habit. You must begin by becoming aware of the choices you are making and how these choices will impact your future. Remember, each choice starts a behavior. Then over time, 
it becomes a habit. So how do you assess your current behavior? It is important you humble yourselves and learn to track what you are doing. What do I mean? Let's say you begin to write down the amount of time you spent on each activity. And you discover you are spending three hours a day in playing games or watching Netflix. Imagine three hours a day. That will be around 21 hours a week. And that's around 80 hours a month. And that is roughly around 1,000 hours a year. Now, if you divide that by 24 hours, how many days are you wasting? You are wasting over a month of your life. Very subtle, but if you begin tracking down your habits, you begin to see cumulatively how it's affecting you. So my question to you is simply this. Are you aware of your habits today? I was reminded of this teenager. He did not realize what was going on in his life. His father talked to him. You know why? Because his problem was he did not realize he was spending so many hours a night in computer games. He was not even able to graduate from college. He was into denial. Why? He never assessed his life. You need to assess what's taking your time, what's going on. Next principle, W. After assessing your life, you must want to change. It is one thing to know. It's another thing to want to change. But you will not want to change unless you understand the problem. I always like this illustration, the one degree deviation. Pilots, aeronautical engineers understand the one degree deviation. If you're one degree off to where you are going, the one degree 60 mile deviation simply means this. For every 60 mile, you will deviate one mile. For every 600 mile, you will deviate 10 miles. In other words, as you fly an airplane, after one hour of flying, 600 miles per hour, you'll be deviating 10 miles. Initially, you will not notice there's a problem. But later on, as time goes by, you realize you are lost. Why? Imagine after flying for one hour, you are 10 miles off. And after flying for two hours, you are 20 miles off. You won't even know. You see, habit is like cobweb, spider web. Initially, it's so easy to overcome. But eventually, this seemingly spider web becomes iron chain. You become addicted. So either you be in denial or you face reality, you need to change. What happened to Samson? I believe Samson had no idea what was eventually going to happen. If you look at the life of Samson in chapter 16, Samson, because of his not willing not wanting to change, eventually lost his eyes. 
He became a prisoner. He lost his ministry. What is very sad, he lost the anointing of God. He lost the power of God. He lost the manifest presence of God. Samson had no idea that his bad habit is going to cost him a lot. Do you know one of the consequences of Samson's bad habit? Samson became not only a prisoner of his own bad habit, he became a prisoner of the Philistine. The Philistines made fun of the name of God and glorified their pagan gods. Eventually, Samson lost his life. So how do you break bad habits? Assess what's going on in your life. You must do one thing to change. How do you change? Add a new habit. Studies have shown if you just focus on removing bad habits, the more you will fall into bad habits. It's called the principle of fixation. The way to overcome bad habits is called replacement. And how do you replace bad habits? You must now understand the principle of trigger. Every habit, especially bad habit, has a trigger. This trigger will then impact your action. And then when you do this, there's going to be a reward, pleasure. And remember, bad habits, you get immediate reward. And that's why it's easy to have bad habits because the reward is immediate. But good habits, the reward is not always immediate. However, the rewards of good habit is long-term. And the consequences of bad habits is long-term. You see what I'm saying? The rewards of good habit may not be immediate, but sooner or later, you'll reap the benefit. And the consequences of bad habit may not always be immediate, but remember, bad habits will have consequences. So to overcome bad habits, you must know the trigger and then remove the trigger. What do I mean by triggers? Studies have shown there are five major triggers that will impact your action. Time, place, people, events, and mood. What do I mean? Let me give you an example. There was this lady who wanted to lose weight. She tried and tried, but somehow she has this habit of eating sweets, eating junk food, and she could not lose weight. In fact, slowly but surely, she keeps gaining. Until somebody helped her by analyzing her pattern. And this is what they've discovered. At three o'clock in the afternoon, the time, during coffee break, that's the event, she will go with her friend, people, to a place, it's called cafeteria. And then in that environment, 
she sees the cookies, she sees the cakes. So they buy cookies, cakes, they sit down together, and they start eating. It gives them pleasure. Sugar is addictive. It's nice talking. So this is repeated. So what should she do to overcome this habit? Remember, you got to remove the trigger. And what's the trigger? The time, 3 p.m., the place, cafeteria, the people she's with around that time, and events, coffee break. She decided at 3 o'clock, she will now do something different. Instead of going to the cafeteria, she will go outside her office and take a walk. She will exercise. She told her friend she wants to have fresh air. She wants to exercise. And this is what went on. She developed a new habit. The trigger was no longer there. She stopped eating sweets, junk food. Why? Because she adopted, she added a new habit. That new habit replaced the old habit. I know of an amazing family who discovered that his sons were struggling with internet, gaming, etc. What did he do? He decided to take them on a vacation. Go on a vacation where there's no Wi-Fi, no internet, just good time together. It's called opportunity to detox. And by the grace of God, because of detoxification, the family, praise God, is moving in the right direction. What did he do next? He got them involved in sports. You see, one habit replacing another. Instead of screen time, you get involved in sports. It will force you to become disciplined. It will force you to be active. It even makes you healthy. I'm reminded of how important it is when you add new habit, I want to go to the R, you remove the Q, the principle of replacement. What do I mean? In my case, God has been helping me to develop new habits by removing cues, by removing triggers, and adopting new habits. For example, there's nothing wrong with listening to news. But I notice I'm spending a lot of time listening to news. And I realize it is not a sin, but it is not the best use of my time. I am not productive when I listen to news. So what did I do? I told my wife, when we are having breakfast, I will no longer turn on the news. I'm replacing news time with another habit. My wife and I will take this time to share our lessons from our quiet time, discussing the activities for the day. You see, trigger, when it comes to bad habit, you remove it or make it as difficult as possible. So in my case, we will remove the Wi-Fi Unplug the Wi-Fi by 9.30. Why? 
Because by 9.30, I want to focus my time now reading, studying something else, use it more productively. And what did I do? I put a trigger. I put books, a nice chair that's relaxing near my bed with nice lighting at the background so that it is conducive. See, the good habits, I make it obvious. The bad habits, I make it difficult. Can you imagine for me to be watching news again, video, I have to turn on the Wi-Fi again? For some of you, you may need to surrender your cell phone. At night, by 9.30, I know of a family, they put all their cell phones in a common box to remove the trigger, to remove the temptation. In my case, my password is known to my wife, to my office staff. There's nothing that can be hidden without them knowing it. That's the idea of you develop a system where you can make it harder to do what you think nobody will know. The way to adapt new habit, you must also capitalize on the reward system. What do I mean? At nighttime, I adopted a new habit from listening to news or watching Netflix to reading. Now, if I'm able to do that, my wife and I may reward ourselves on weekend, we'll watch a nice movie. We'll watch Netflix. In other words, one good habit at a time and then learn to reward yourself. What's the good news? You can change. You can adjust your trigger. You can adapt new habit. Above all, I want you to know something. Let habits be your friend. Time is an ally when you have good habits. But when you have bad habits, time will magnify the consequences. Experiencing success is repeating a few keystone habits you practice every day. While failure is simply practicing a few bad habits, bad judgment repeated every day. And one of the best habits that my wife and I developed is when we walk, we use this app to measure our steps. And this app has an amazing attraction because it gives you a reward when you walk over 6,000 steps a day. If you walk over 6,000 steps, they will clap. When you walk, when you reach 10,000 steps, there's another trigger. And would you believe it? As I began using this during the pandemic, my wife and I have walked over 3,000 kilometers. Honestly, I can never imagine I would have walked over 3,000 kilometers. But you know what? Good habit. Little by little. Cumulative effect. And that's why it is important to adapt a new habit, remove bad habits, and do it little by little. The last E is engage others. You see, research has shown that the influence of our social circle is so powerful. 
God has given us an amazing provision, the gift of community. I praise God for CCF. We have small groups. We have discipleship groups. This is God-given to help us overcome strongholds. By engaging others, you have accountability. Research has shown that if you have close friends, your best friend, your circle of close friends, if one of them is overweight, the likelihood of you becoming overweight is 57%. But if one of your good friends have lost weight, the probability that you will also lose weight is amazing. One out of three will lose weight if their good friend, their best friend, is losing weight. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 tells us, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Are you intentionally aware of your social circle? Are you engaging people to help you? Don't underestimate the importance of engaging others. Just imagine if you have your best friends and they all love the Lord, four or five of your best friends. You spend time with them. They love the Lord. They have good family. They have good jobs, financially responsible. They are generous and they love to serve the Lord. How would that impact your life? Imagine you have four or five good friends, but they don't love the Lord. They take drugs. Financially, they're irresponsible. How would that impact your life? Here's the principle. It is almost impossible to develop good habits if you surround yourself with men or women whose lifestyle, whose habits are opposed to your values. In Proverbs 7, verses 6 onward, the Bible says, At the window of my house, I look out through my lattice, I saw among the naive and discerned among the youth a young man lacking sense. Here's a description of a young man lacking sense. And the Bible says, verse 8, Passing through the street near her corner, he takes the way to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, and in the darkness, behold, a woman comes to meet him. Dressed as a harlot. What do you notice? The trigger in the middle of the night. Wrong place. Moving to her house. Wrong person. A woman came to meet him. How I wish that this young man will have somebody to warn him. Can I tell you why? Look at the end of the story. In verses 22 down, the Bible tells us suddenly, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. Notice the word description, the word picture. An ox to be slaughtered. 
Look at verse 23. Until an arrow pierces through his liver, as a bird hastens to the snare, he does not know it will cost him his life. It was so serious, this young man had no idea what was going to happen to him. And you notice at the end of that chapter, verse 26, 27, many are the victims she has cast down, numerous are all her slain, her house is the way to hell, the way to Sheol, descending to the chambers of death. Notice the word picture. How graphic. This man is entering a house that is the entrance to hell, descending, notice, descending to the chambers of death. How I wish that I was there to warn this young man the direction of your life is wrong. Do you have such a community to help you? You know, the Bible tells us again and again, over 140 times in the New Testament, we are to help one another. The verses on pray for one another, confess your sins to one another, James 5.16, encourage one another, build up one another, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Hebrews, encourage one another daily. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, teach, admonish one another. All of these verses on one another, believe it or not, is a command. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Because we are never meant to be lone ranger. God knows what we need. While Jesus Christ is more than sufficient for our salvation, for our well-being, but it does not mean you don't need a community. God has given us His community, the church, the people of God. The only problem is sometimes we are too proud to feel the need to be accountable to a group. Sometimes we are too proud to have accountability partners. We think we can do this on our own. Some of us are too self-centered that you don't want to be a blessing to others because you are so full of yourself. Friends, the small group is God's provision to help us, help one another, to be all that God wants us to be. Do you have somebody to help mentor you? I'm reminded of the story of Dave Brailsford. To appreciate the story of Dave Brailsford, you must know that the British cycling team was one of the worst bicycling team in Europe, for 100 years, they never won Tour de France. They never won any gold medal. It's a sad legacy of the British cycling team. But one day, they invited Dave to be their mentor, to coach them. Now, Dave had an amazing system. It's called Microscopic Atomic Improvement. 1% improvement at a time. He had a program to help the British cycling team become better little by little. To show you how meticulous Dave was in helping them improve little by little, he would check on the way they exercise. He would check on their uniform, their clothing, 
he will even ask doctors to help them how to wash their hands so that they will get sick less. He will also check on their pillows. What kind of pillow will help them sleep the best? What kind of mattress will help them sleep and be rested? And not only that, he will focus on other details like the feedback. What kind of massage oil? What kind of massage will help them recover the fastest? It's called micro-improvement. Would you believe it? In less than five years, the British cycling team began winning. In 2008, they won 60% of the gold medals available. In 2009, 15, 16, 17, they won the most prestigious cycling event, the Tour de France. They won the championship six years. Amazing. And would you believe it? They have 178 world championships, 66 Olympic gold medals since Dave took over. My friend, do you have people who is there to encourage you, to help you, to guide you? You see, God wants you to be a champion. God wants all of us to be all that we can become. In my private life, I know my identity. I belong to the Lord. I know why I want to develop good habit. My prayer is that I will be all that God wants me to be. Luke chapter 3, verse 22 is my prayer for the year. I want God to say, You are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. This amazing affirmation was given to Jesus. Where God tells Jesus, You are my beloved son. I am well pleased. And the Bible tells us we are to copy Jesus. We are to be like Jesus, Christ's likeness. Therefore, my prayer is that God will be able to say to me, you are my beloved son. Not just a child of God, my beloved child. And not just I am pleased with you, but Peter, I am well pleased with you. That's my why. And that's the who I want to become. Samson has forgotten the why and the who of his life. Samson has forgotten he was God's chosen instrument. Samson forgot that he belongs to the Lord and he's going to be used by God to deliver his people. Friends, do you know who you are? And do you know what you want to become? What is that one habit that you need to remove so that you will become what God wants you to become? You notice what I said? Not 10 habits. Start with one habit. What do you need to give up? It may not be a sin, but it is something that is slowing you down. Too much time, social media, computer games, pornography, substance abuse, whatever it is, 
What is that one thing that God wants you to give up? What one habit will you give up? And how do you begin? Remember, assess what's going on in your life today. You must want to change. Add new habit one at a time. Remove the triggers and engage others to help you. I love this saying, a child becomes an adult the day the child assumes responsibility for his action. The day you stop blaming others and assume full responsibility for your choices is the day you become an adult. I pray that you will take full responsibility today with your choices, with your actions. The good news is we can all change. I want you to hear the testimony of one of our brother. Let's welcome Hayden Ko. Let's listen to his amazing story. Hi, I'm Dr. Hayden Ko, husband to Vicky and father to Scarlett Snowbello. Many years ago, I fell into habits that are not just unhealthy for me, but harmful to those around me. In particular, I struggled against drug addiction. At first, I thought it was no big deal. I said to myself that if God were a loving God, then surely he'd let me have some fun. After all, I knew many people, some of them quite influential, who seemed to be doing well and hardly suffered from any of the ill effects of drugs that I'd read from the medical books that I read before when I was in college. What I read and heard didn't seem to add up to what I saw from others or experienced myself. However, my little experiment, fueled by my curiosity and motivated by peer pressure, became more than just a habit. Instead, it turned into a dangerous addiction. Whereas before I would take drugs for pleasure's sake, this time I felt compelled to take it just to feel normal. Worse, I would deny the seriousness of the situation, even though my friends, my family, co-workers all recognized the problem. My drug addiction led to many problems. My involvement in a sex scandal, my falling out with my best friends, the suspension of my career as a doctor, and the deterioration of my health. There were also spiritual consequences. I became so distant from God that I felt there was no more hope for someone like me. So in 2008, and the year after, I tried to end my life, but wasn't successful. Fast forward to 2013, I met a person who invited me to CCF. And every time I attended services, I felt lighter and encouraged. So Jesus became more and more attractive to me. That's attending Sunday service in CCF and listening to sermons of great preachers on YouTube became new habits for me. Months later, I opened up my heart fully to Jesus and in my brokenness, I offered my life to him. That is when things began to change for me. God started a process of renewing my mind through scripture. Every day I would read my Bible and look for instructions for living. I learned, for example, that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We do not own ourselves. Ultimately, we belong to God. I also learned that in order to grow and sustain spiritual gains, we must avoid all wrong behaviors and habits. I learned that willful, repeated disobedience numbs our will to pursue God and His purposes for our lives. 
in his letter to the Ephesians, Paul says, Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand the Lord's, what the Lord's will is. And lastly, I learned that nothing, absolutely nothing, is better than knowing God. So seeking Him and His kingdom should be our highest priority. All the other things like money, fame, power, influence, were all valueless compared to a more profound commitment to Jesus. Jesus gave His life that anyone who believes might have eternal, abundant life, both on earth and after death. His desire is for us to embrace Him in faith, but our bad habits and addictions cripple our ability to do that, as well as rob us of the most extraordinary delight we could ever experience. They offer only a counterfeit to abundant life in Christ. Today, I serve Christ as a group leader to business people and a mentor to broken men who fell into similar sins as mine. In addition, I dedicate a lot of my time serving in various Christian ministries such as the Right Start Children's Foundation and the Christian Values Movement. But what I am most proud of is that God had given me the privilege of guiding my wife Vicky and daughter Scott Snow in their walks with God. To God be the glory. Do you notice something about Hayden's testimony? The moment he became aware of the wrong direction of his life. The moment he really wanted to change. What happened? He had an encounter with Jesus. He became open to the reality that he needed supernatural intervention in his life. And praise God, when Hayden encountered Jesus, his life began to change. New desire, new power, new habits. Perhaps you are saying, I like to have that encounter. I like to have a new beginning. I want you to humble yourselves today and come to know Jesus. This is what Jesus has done in my life, in my wife's life, in many other lives. Would you like to invite Jesus to help you overcome bad habits? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just realized that I need you to break bad habits. I need your power. I need your strength. Today, I humble myself before you. I ask you, Jesus, to really change my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Give me a new desire to want to change. And only you can do that. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for dying on the cross for my sins, and for the gift of a new life, eternal life. Thank you. I surrender to you my life today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If this message has been meaningful to you, or you've invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you want to know more, kindly click on the space provided below. Join our chat room. We will have people who would love to pray with you, to pray for you. 
in a short while, we will have fast track and we will have discussion questions. And I pray that this will be a blessing to you. God bless.